0: Life in the rainforests of Borneo may seem like a peaceful existence in paradise, but finding food and shelter requires the right tools and the brains to use them. It's a good thing that the forest's largest tree-dwelling mammal has one of the largest proportional brains in the animal kingdom, but how do they use that advantage to survive 100 feet above the forest floor? These apes are truly living the high life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info again for our fourth season. Yay! Season four. Here here we go again on our own. You couldn't have sung that for my benefit? I I actually decided to do that in the middle of the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But, but but I'm Joe
1: and I am Carlos
0: and today we're talking about a large primate with orange hair whose bellowing can be heard from great distances even without Twitter
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah we're talking about an orangutan
1: I'm gonna say orangutan because I'm a red-blooded American and uh, I was brought up that way
0: I was reading studies that pronoun- that like actually spelled it orangutan with an with a hyphen
1: well there is a reason because the the name comes from the Indonesian words orang which means person and hutan which means forest person of the forest yeah and I'll talk Tr- a little tre- bit treman. more about there later. <laughs> the treeman <laughs> the treeman show but yes we were talking we are talking about the orangutan aka the swinging Sumatran singer nice uh Tim the Toolman Taylor <laughs> <laughs> as well as we'll talk about I was later like what, what and the cheeky chimp it's not a chimp but it's in the great apes uh, like family so we'll, we'll, that that's that's how that's gonna work okay um but yes the long time of life death and taxonomy is here <laughs> Vespasian um and uh so let's talk about it Let's talk about it, because this is life, death, and taxonomy. That last part has to come first for some reason. So, it's Kingdom Animalia. Okay. Uh, Phylum, you guessed it, Chordata, and then, yep, you guessed it again, Class Mammalia. Yeah. So, those three things, I don't even have to look them up, just write them straight down. You know
0: what you love it, you're in it.
1: Yep. Um, The order is... um, well, I first I said primates, but I guess it's primates because of the way that Latin works. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's it's spelled exactly the way you would think primates is spelled. Um, but you know how like it's I thought it was passiforms, but it's really passeriformes. Yeah. So it's like nah, whatever. Um, this this has a lot of sub and infra things. So suborder is haplorhini. Same. In no. No. <laughs> <Infra> order. <laughs> Is uh So like simian mm-hmm. as an adjective for simian Formies Um the family is hominidae, and that's chimps and gorillas, great great
0: apes. But not hummins? Hmm. But not hummins.
1: Not not no hummus. <laughs> no no dips made out of chickpeas. Hummin beans. Um <laughs> hummus <laughs> beans. <laughs> 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 uh, the subfamily ponginae. Mm-hmm. Um, and then genus Pongo, yep, and species is the one that we're talking about. Uh, the Bornean orangutan is Pygmaeus, So Pongo Pygmaeus. yep, yep. And you, if you are a long-time true fan of uh, Life, Death, and Taxonomy, you will recognize those two words together in our very at the end of our very first episode when we were talking about stradulation. Yeah, and it's like, oh no! Well, actually, it's Pongo pygmaeus, an orangutan, thus birthed Vespasian into our, <laughs> our fictional world, the lore. <laughs> but yeah, so an orangutan. These guys, this are the ones that we're specifically talking about, live in Borneo. But they, uh, the orangutan in general, lives in Indonesia and Malaysia. So there's a Borneo uh, orangutan. There's a Sumatran um, orangutan, um, and then there's one call from Tapanuli which is a, an area in southern Sumatra. So Sumatra and Borneo are both islands in Malaysia. Mm. And the difference between the two is... We'll, we'll talk about the marked differences. But like I said, the, in, the, the word c- comes from orang and hutan, which means person of the forest. And it's thought that Dutch physician jacobus bontius Mm -hmm. which i guess is the spell that you use to turn your patronus into an orangutan um but anyway he visited malaysia in 1631 and was told about an ape who could talk but it was but apparently it was probably just someone with a serious mental condition
0: oh my gosh
1: (laughs) so yep that's 1631 science for you but yeah so that's where the name comes from now i know you're wondering What does an orangutan look like? I've never seen one before. I've never had that knockoff of Capri Sun Tang. I have no idea what the astronauts had in space.
0: I've never seen Dunstan Checks in. What is that? It's a movie about an orangutan. Is it? And Jason Alexander.
1: Huh. (laughs) That sounds really uh, whimsical in a way that I would not enjoy now as an adult.
0: I haven't seen it since I was a child, so I can't speak to that.
1: So you'd probably get more appreciation out of it than I would. Yeah. Uh, But, okay, so in case you have never seen or heard of an orangutan before, um, O-rings are large apes with long, reddish, orangish fur all over. And they have gray, black skin with super long, strong arms. Uh, Their arms are longer than their height, so their wingspan is greater than their height. Where Mm. our wingspan, based on the Vitruvian man that... Leonardo da Vinci created Uh, our wingspan equals our height yeah but for that is not the case for um, Mr. O-ring over here Uh, they have bulky bodies thick necks short legs no tail so it's kind of like a big pear big hairy pear (laughs) (laughs) with a with long arms
0: we should man we should have named the orangutan Perry
1: There's already a lovable animal sidekick named Perry. That's the platypus. true. Yeah, okay. Here's the big characteristic of orangutans, um, is the the faces of the males. They usually have large cheek flaps that make their faces look like dishes, much like uh, Taxonomy Titan, the barn owl. And yes, I want to make Taxonomy Titan the word that we use for our, like, past, our <laughs> past animals. <laughs> I was trying to think of something to call our past animals that have already been on the show. Um, so, t- I like Taxonomy Titan. If you can think of it something better. could also be a
0: name for the audience. True. Taxonomy Titans. All
1: right. Well, we'll brainstorm. <laughs> if you have a, an idea, you out there, uh, tweet it to us. So, they have these, if you look up a picture of an orangutan, you're probably going to see this, like, large, round, flappy face. Yeah. <laughs> and, unfortunately, they don't, like the unlike the barn owl, they don't use it for echolocation, which I thought would have been so cool. Do you know what that's called? Flanged? Flanged. But flanged also refers to all of the traits that mean that a male has matured. Oh. So um, you have a flanged male that has the things on the side of its face and also the vocal, large vocal pouch. Huh. Um, And so an unflanged male would not have either of those things. Which brings me to King Louie from the Jungle Book, who was drawn to not have those flanges and therefore um, is... He would not have been king of the monkeys. <laughs> um, he was he. He would have been like a a, a male that had not yet fully matured. So, Ubi Dale, he wants to be a flanged male. Nothing. No. It wasn't even funny.
0: Well, okay. <laughs> I I wasn't sure that all of them had that, but I guess they all do.
1: They all do eventually have it, and here I'll talk about it. They uh, an orangutan reach reaches sexual maturity at 15 years old um, meaning that they can reproduce at that point. but some males don't develop the cheek flaps and howl pouches until they're 20 years old. Mm. So there might be a five year period where they're able to reproduce but um, they don't have the physical appearance of of a male that can. So this can be needless to say frustrating um, <laughs> for those males since females will only really, uh, hang out with flanged males or Here, cheeky males.
0: Here's a picture of a, a father with a 20-year-old son who's not flanged. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so disappointed.
0: I'll have to post this somewhere. Yeah. It looks so good.
1: Oh, I didn't mention the fact that they uh they tend to have uh full-on goatees and sometimes Fu manchu mustaches. Yeah, they do. They it have like little so, beards. Yeah, it looks like it looks very uh, uncanny.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of uncanniness when it comes to orangutans. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you've seen Maurice from the Planet of the Apes, the most recent series starring Andy Serkis, yeah, um, uh, that that's that's a flanged male. Also, if you've seen the more recent Jungle Book more iteration, recent? what more recent? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Yes, but uh, Christopher Walken is a giant version of this. He's a gigantopithecus.
0: Yes, which doesn't exist.
1: No, but may have. So, my question to you is this. Who would win? King Louie from the new one, new, the new JB, or King Kong?
0: Which King Kong?
1: The Peter Jackson King Kong.
0: I think still King Kong.
1: Yeah, I believe so as well. He
0: fought dinos. King Louie just kind of sits and sings sings around. I just
1: King Kong looks a lot... Like, like he's built for battle. Yeah. He's a battle-built gorilla. Uh, so anyway, they don't, you know, obviously orangutans don't get to be as big as Christopher Walken's character in Jungle Book. My question is,
0: how big do they get? And that question, my friends, brings us once again in this fourth season to the listeners, perhaps the Taxonomy Titans, favorite <laughs> part of the show. So favorite in fact, that we've had a little submission that we're going to play for you. Do you, do you want to tell us about that?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, some of our our teeny taxonomy... <laughs> <laughs>
0: teeny ta- teeny taxonomical titans? Teeny taxonomy titans?
1: Yeah, some of our uh, teeny taxonomy titans were so uh, enthralled with the measure of segment that they sent in their uh, introduction into this segment. So, uh, w- without further ado...
0: Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, the listener's favorite part of the show, Three, two, one.
1: Measure <laughs> Up! That was adorable.
0: <laughs> that's the best one yet.
1: Yeah, and also, I don't have to do it. That's, that's <laughs> the best part about it. So, if, if you out there want to submit your uh, Measure Up intro, uh, email us the the MP3 at ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. and we'll put it up there. Yeah, just say measure up, you know, in the in the in the fun way.
0: Yeah, you know, get 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 wild with it. Yeah, get wild with it, <laughs> it.
1: like an orangutan would do. Anyway, but <laughs> anyway,
0: let's not keep the people from what they want, which is this segment of the show. Let's start with height. The Bornean orangutans can stand between three point nine and four point six feet. Which is an average of 4.2 feet or 128 centimeters. Here's your question How many orangutans go into the thickness of the Earth's atmosphere? <laughs>
1: We're back here. We're back <laughs> to astronomical dimensions, literally. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. The Earth's atmosphere, does that include the exosphere, the magnetosphere? Where does this this end?
0: Well, I'll give you one hint. This actually is a pretty decent hint. (laughs) I can tell you don't believe me. I don't believe you at all. Because the Earth's atmosphere gets thinner as you get higher, the majority of the atmosphere is in the first 10 miles above the Earth's surface. Okay. Which means it's more than 10 miles. I knew that.
1: Because... Planes fly at like seven miles.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, so, the majority of the atmosphere is in the t- first ten miles.
1: Okay. Because and they fly in the stratosphere, which is the n- next level above the troposphere. S- so and then I know two other s- spheres. Oh no, a third one, ionosphere. That's another one. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they are,
0: or how thick each one, or is. how
1: thick each one is. Is it where the gas ends? Because the magnetosphere is not. That doesn't count. All right, I'm just gonna just gonna we're gonna spitball it um four four feet and how many of those go into a mile
0: well how many miles
1: do you think it is thick wait wait so you said the majority of the atmosphere is in the first 10 miles yeah but that's that's because of density the rest of it uh-huh. is 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 like <laughs> super expanded out there so <laughs> yeah. the, the next 50 miles could be more gas
0: it's like a cloud <laughs> it could be a mile long you were trying to trick me <laughs> yeah that's a
1: terrible hint. It's a good thing I'm so good at space math.
0: <laughs> Isn't that astrophysics? Isn't that space nope, math? No, it's space
1: math. I'm gonna say 60 miles for the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and 60 miles. Yeah.
0: Okay. 60 miles total, not in top of the ten.
1: Right. Okay. I'm gonna say seventy-four thousand two hundred eighty-five point seven. So and I and I definitely was not using a calculator at all.
0: <laughs> well, it's 300 miles thick.
1: Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is
0: 377,143 tangs okay. go into the thickness of the Earth's atmosphere.
1: So it must also include the the like low Earth orbit or something it like really that. It really thins out
0: yeah. up there. <laughs> 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 so I know you're expecting me to talk about weight, and I'm not going to, except for that they can reach weights of up to 220 pounds. But let's talk about their conservation status. Orangutans are critically endangered, and there are estimated to be only 100,000 individuals left in the wild. How many of the number of the average violin strings in a symphony orchestra go in to the population of orangutans? Because it's really sad that there's not that many left. So we need to get the strings in here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the world's tiniest violin there are four strings on a violin yep. i want to say let's say there's 20 violinists in an orchestra which would give us a solid number of 100 strings okay now what was your question
0: how many of those um
1: are, are in the world okay yeah um i'm gonna say three and a half three three and a half orchestras worth of violin strings <laughs> So, I'm saying there's 350 Bornean orangutans
0: left. No, no. You're not saying that. I'm asking you to, like, have... I told you there's 100,000 left. Oh,
1: oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, then cut out everything I just said. Yeah, so
0: there's 100,000 left. You're looking for... The number you're looking for... Oh, it's okay. It's how many uh, string groups go into that number.
1: Okay, so uh, 1,000 is the number. Because I think there are 100 strings in an orchestra. Yeah. Therefore, there 1,000 of them would get us to the 100,000 that are left.
0: There are about 128 strings in an orchestra. Okay, that's kind of 16 in 16 primary or first violins and 16 second violins. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. So, I forgot to give you the hint. This would have <laughs> saved you. Oh man, the Bornean orangutan population declined sixty percent in sixty years.
1: And what? And yeah, and also the London Philharmonic Orchestra,
0: <laughs> which it would which would lead you inevitably to the answer: 181 string groups go into the population of the orangutan.
1: I'm so confused right now.
0: That's fine, as long as the listener is completely on board with what's going on. I I, <laughs> I doubt that. The important thing is that there's only a thousand, a hundred thousand individuals left, and it's declining. So
1: I feel um, magnificently bamboozled here. Yeah. On both accounts. Wow. All right. Are we done? That's it. (laughs) Goodness. All right. So let's talk about their behavior a little bit. Oh, uh, by the way, with all those dimensions put together, the orangutan is the largest arboreal dwelling mammal. Huh. Yeah. Same. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) If I were an arboreal dwelling mammal. If you were
1: the Swiss family Robinson, then they are the largest arboreal dwelling mammal. Um, Because the orangutan lives almost all of its life in the trees. They make elaborate nests in the trees with pillows, blankets, roofs, and even bunk beds. (laughs) So... that's that's bananas to me. And not, not, not just because we're talking about monkeys. <laughs> I don't even know if they... I mean, they eat fruit a lot, so I assume that they eat bananas.
0: If there are bananas where they are, then they'll probably eat them.
1: Yeah, probably. Me too.
0: it will be a banana bonanza.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. And here's an interesting thing. Bornean orangutans will spend more time on the ground because there aren't any tigers in Borneo. Which, you can't say the same about Sumatran. So... They spend a lot more of their time in the trees. Clouded leopards also predate on them, but clouded leopards can get into the trees a, a bit easier than tigers can.
0: Yeah, but probably not 100 feet up.
1: I don't know. You, you doubting a leopard's ability to climb? I would
0: imagine it's good better to have fingers up there, thumbs.
1: Yeah, they got claws, though, and tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> uh and the last thing I'm going to say before I give it over to you for the major fact is that with these howl pouches that they have, they can make calls for that can be heard for over a mile. Yeah. Which is, I think, only bested in the primate um, order by the, hell or by monkey? the howler monkey. By the howler Yes! I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, that's all I got for the, the general info. So why don't you hit us with some major facts? All righty.
0: So, orangutans are among the most intelligent mammals. Uh, Next to chimps, they are among the most intelligent primates. Chimps might have them beat. Uh, Really? Yeah. Uh, Possibly. But it's a close game. Um, So, in the wild and in captivity, they have been observed using tools in sophisticated ways. So we're talking about tool use, friends. Tim, the tool man, Taylor. That's why you said that,
1: justifying my crazy <laughs> statement from the beginning of this episode.
0: <laughs> um, so tools uh, can be so tool use can be spontaneous, but it can also be or spontaneous and unique to individuals, but it can also be s- specific across regional cultures, regional orangutan cultures. Yeah. So it can you I mean you can be observing an orangutan and he just uses something out of the blue and it's like, wow, that was interesting tool use okay but you can also say, well I've seen all of the orangutans in this area use that specific tool like that and be, it's because they learn from each other and there's a cultural um, understanding about this type of tool use, which is interesting because pre- previously scientists thought culture was. Exclusive to humanity.
1: So, like, learned things.
0: Learned things that and are also, specific to regional groups. And also innovation,
1: which is... Yeah. I, to me, that's more impressive is yeah. the innovation. Yeah. Because you can teach, a, like, an, a group of dogs to do something, but they would probably never do that on their own. Right. Where, uh, like, an orangutan a, a is problem-solving.
0: And they probably wouldn't be great at passing that on to future generations. Yeah, um, I mean they're the orangutans. I don't know if you touched. I forget if you touched on this, but they're fairly um, antisocial. Antisocial. They males usually spend most of their time by themselves. Uh, mothers will usually spend time with their young for for up to ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and female orangutans will are more likely to be in contact with her children, other people's children, and other females. Other people's children.
1: Um, <laughs> I also forgot to uh, mention the the idea of neoteny, which we talked about in the axolotl episode, and that's the fact that it takes... Uh, orangutans live for about 30 years, and it takes them half of their lives to reach sexual maturity. Yeah. So that's, that's an example of um, neoteny, which it because it takes a long time for them to become adults yeah. and in the case of the axolotl it never becomes an adult it right. never reaches its its final form okay so anyway continue
0: Um. so here are some examples of tool use they will use branches to scratch their backs they will use like uh, branches or or like hook shaped branches or whatever to fish fruit and branches that are out of reach mm-hmm um, fish for them no they're not fish <laughs> uh, they use leaves to wipe their face they throw branches and fruit in agonistic displays which is displays of aggression or for fighting so uh it's like busting your
1: like a glass on the on the ground going yeah. like don't mess with me yeah
0: yeah uh, they build rain hats and ponchos out of broad leaves to keep the rain off their heads.
1: That is adorable. And I did see a picture of that. Yeah. And it's a little bit heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, one female was observed building a nest structure to bridge a narrow river. Whoa. She bridged
1: a river. a br- Like a bridge over troubled water.
0: Yeah. Um, she was, a- this particular one was observed in an ongoing study in the Tangjun Putin Putin reserve in Indonesia Um, and there's an ongoing study there studying tool use in forest born and ex-captive apes Mm -hmm. so they're kind of comparing like what do they do on their own and what do they do when they've been in captivity and released to the wild Um, generally forest born orangutans mainly use tools in agonistic displays or for nesting, like you mentioned. But ex-captive apes will use tools in a wider variety of settings and for different purposes. Um, mm-hmm. s- they'll use sticks most commonly, but they can also use human tools like rags, spoons, cups, shovels, knives, hoes, ropes, boats, and rafts. Yeah,
1: you sh- you showed me just just the best video. Yeah. <clears throat> of our uh inspiration david attenborough yes sitting with a an orangutan that was washing socks yeah because it saw another it saw someone or another orangutan uh washing socks but one was using a canoe yeah and it was also i don't know if i'm stepping on your toes here but it was also using a hammer and nail. Yeah. To no avail. Yeah. But
0: it wasn't going well, but she understood the concept. She
1: understood to set the nail up and tr- and then try to hit it with the hammer.
0: Yeah. And a saw. She was sawing wood, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. That was that was bananas. <laughs> da- David Attenborough was very unimpressed with the <laughs> with the hammer and nail situation though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just by the look on his face. Um, I think that look was actually just like inquisitiveness, yeah. but it looked like disappointment. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> um, but they, they, she was rowing, rowing the canoe with her hands. She yeah. wasn't just sitting in it and understanding that it. She, she was actually directing the canoe. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. What? Let's see your dog do that. They're gonna take over the world, and this will become Planet of the Apes. <laughs> um, so basically, their learn learning capability from observation is really strong. So they can learn from people and they can also learn from other apes. Um, orangutans spend years learning from their own mothers. They can... Uh, they, they, they they have tight bonds for a really long time with their mothers. They can um, nurse for up to eight years. They, oh, wow. They're cling to their mother for like five years. Um, Failure to launch. And then after 10 years they they become more independent. Um, but they'll stick with her for ten years. Okay. Um,
1: I wonder if the reason why chimpanzees seem more intelligent is because they're more social and more rapidly yeah, it's possible- disseminate it's possible- information.
0: Uh the study that I was the, the study from uh, this Indonesian reserve said that under the right circumstances, if it became necessary, orangutans like in a short amount of time could learn and adapt to be as adept with tool use and other things as chimpanzees.
1: Yeah, and they don't have like as good small motor skills because their hands are like they have special joints in their hands that allow them to swing from trees and to hook onto trees without having to actually grip because mm-hmm. their their resting um hand is not open it's it's curved. Mm-hmm. So um there's a th- idea that, that that that's why they can pick things up but they can't they couldn't like thread a needle right so uh, you know that's it a...
0: but that's all I got that's what that's 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 the orangutan
1: I love it these guys are cool
0: <laughs> they are, like just watching videos of any like higher primate is just it's very surreal and uncanny because it's like their faces look very human sometimes expressions but also just like you're rowing a boat. You're a full-on animal rowing a boat. Well, there's there was also a
1: one where they um they did they sent zoologists into their natural habitat and taught them sign language. Mm-hmm. I think over 2 years they learned 50 something signs and could communicate. You know, like like Coco the gorilla was was like commu- sign joking with Robin Williams back in that that video on the in the 80s i think but these orangutans can do a similar thing where they can communicate things that they want um or you know whatever to zoologists and hmm. each other so it's not that far from from the new planet of the apes yeah where maurice serves as the uh you know the, the moral fiber for their group of apes <laughs> huh
0: um have you heard the uh expression language isn't words it's grammar no that's apparently a thing in linguistics where it's it's if you can't understand grammar, you can't really understand language. You just have a vocabulary that's assigned to things, so you, you don't know how to understand... You don't understand how to, like, fully communicate. Uh, Interesting. So I wonder if they bridge that gap. Apparently, it's really hard to bridge that gap after, after a, a human turns, like, 12.
1: Oh, like the feral children yeah. hypothesis? Which though?
0: I learned from a show I recently listened to uh yeah no yeah podcast interesting not family friendly but it's very good <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah but I don't know I, I, as a linguistics major I had never heard of that yeah but maybe that's an, that's a newer thing
0: well it was in the context of feral children which is like really under understood under
1: understood understudied because it's unethical to purposefully yes. study it right yeah. but uh yeah, so on that just just uplifting and happy note of feral children, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's all we've got for you today. So for you out there in podcast land, grab a rain hat, build your nest, and use your environment to your advantage like we do here at Life, Death, and Taxonomy.
0: All right, we've done it. We've covered you in an episode, Vespasian. Is this what you wanted? Yes. Show yourself and lead us out of this infernal,
1: never-ending wilderness. Look, up on that ridge. There he is.
0: He's gesturing something. Can you make it out? It looks like he's saying, There's no escape from the space between. You must keep covering the things unseen. From lyrebirds to the wolverine. When reviews reach 117, then you may leave the unending green? He knows how to rhyme in sign
1: language?
0: Wait, wait, what does that mean? And there he goes. Well, that was cryptic. It appears we're stuck here until we get more reviews.
1: Yeah, this mystical juggle seems very oddly tied to our podcast
0: analytics. I guess we need 117 reviews, which... Listeners can leave on iTunes and other podcasting apps to show their appreciation for the show. Then maybe we can get out of here. Only one way to find out. Now come on, let's see if we can find out
1: more about that liar bird. That sounded interesting.
0: do it again. Ready? Go. Measure, Measure up. Up. <laughs> <laughs>